0: It's something that you can live in if you understand it. And the reality is, is a lot of times um, we find in our lives that we look at the experiences, we look at the results of our actions, our words, what we've done in prayer, and sometimes we look and we say, well, it's not exactly where I wished it would be. But I want to say this to you, God is the one that have given you the anointing and the power to be women. The world is crying out for identity, but there's an anointing and identity in you that only God gave. And so today I want you to know that you are exactly what God called you to be. There is something special about women, and especially moms as we talk about that, I know we prayed earlier, but let's pray again. Father, thank you for just the absolute anointing upon this place. Thank you, Lord, for family. Thank you, Lord, for a revelation of who we are as family, the church family, but our homes. I proclaim a blessing over the proclamations of our moms, over their children and grandchildren, And we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. Well, let's have a little fun at the beginning here. How many of you know there is a difference between having the first child, then having your second child, and then your third child? So if you're parents, you know what I'm talking about. So let me give you some examples. Concerning the clothes that mothers wear. In the first baby you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as the OBGYN confirms you're pregnant. On the second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. And then the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. (laughs) Anybody relate to that? And when you're preparing for birth, (laughs) the first baby, you practice your breathing regularly. The second baby, you don't practice breathing because you think it didn't work the first time. And then the third baby, you ask for an epidural on your eighth month. (laughs) When it comes to activities with your children after they're born, the first baby, you take your baby to baby gymnastics, baby swings, and baby story hour. And the second baby, you might take them to baby gymnastics. And the third baby, you take them to the dry cleaners. (laughs) Now at home, I know it's totally different. The first baby, you spend a significant time just gazing at that beautiful face of your first baby. For the second baby, you spend a significant time making sure The older brother or sister is not poking or prodding or even dropping your first first baby. And then the third baby, you spend a little bit of the day hiding from your children. (laughs) Moms, we believe in motherhood because God created that identity. I'm so grateful my mom. She has passed, but I am grateful for her. I'm grateful for who she was in my life because God created women and God created moms. And so I'm grateful for what God did. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to explain to you, first of all, what God did in creating women. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak encouragement to all of you, especially moms today, in helping you move forward into a reality of kingdom results. Because some of us are sitting here today and wondering if God is ever going to do that miracle for our children. And I want to say to you, absolutely he will. But God is more concerned about you today than he is about your children, because God has already proclaimed in the gospel of Christ to bring about the blessing of the Lord and the favor of the Lord over your children and your children's children. I have a real heart for families. May 16th, next week, we'll be gathering together. Jack and Lisa Taylor will begin working with our youth, with all the team. Christina Rodriguez will be working with our children. We will be sitting down in the sanctuary with the adults. We'll be creating other ministry for family. Because I believe out of COVID, when we are finally unmasked, that we're going to see God's plan in the midst of COVID. And I believe the greatest part of God's plan is he's going to restore what the cankerworm worm has eaten regarding families in the United States of America, because we are called as a church in America to reach the world through family. So Terry and I have two plus two children. Melissa and Peter were added later. And we have eight grandchildren. I have realized how amazing Terry is as a mom and as a grandma. I watched my wife from the very beginning have such a passion for the heart of God, for women and for motherhood. But I watched her grow too. And every one of us grow in the Lord regarding the call of God in our life. We can't run, ladies. You cannot run from being a woman. You cannot run from the anointing and the call of God that is on your life as a woman. I also believe that God is doing a very significant thing in, at Valley Community Church, our church family. He's doing that all around the world because we're reaching people around the world. Being a mother is one of the noblest professions, and being a mom and or motherhood is very serious to God, is very serious or should be, to you and me. Now There are some of the best moms at Valley Community Church. I came in a little bit early, shut down some of my meetings early, and I came in, I tried to virtual hug um, as many moms as I could because I celebrate you today. I really celebrate you today. I, I just, I look out and I see the most beautiful, um, and some of you, the most color coordinated moms today, and uh, you're beautiful. And the call of God, I accept, I receive that. I submit to the anointing that is in your lives as ladies. And that's why I'm excited about what Becky announced. And for the ladies, uh, men in six weeks will gather together talking about you. But uh, today, let's really honor. Our Ladies. So, what I want to do is, I, I want to point out three places of wisdom that we need to recognize as women. You've heard probably hundreds of teachings, read books, and many sermons on motherhood or women. But I, wanna, I wanted to, this time, because of what I believe God is doing, a new anointing in our country and especially our church, I wanted to pinpoint three things uh, that you would recognize. So it wraps it up as we are a family. And if we recognize how important we all are to each other, that we will come May May 16th on Sunday night and we will say, I'm going to recognize family. And I'm gonna learn, my children are gonna learn, my adult children will learn, exactly the importance of family, of motherhood, of fatherhood, of being a sibling, being someone who is called and anointed of God. So the first thing I want to share with you is what I said earlier, that mothers have great influence. If you read in the Old Testament, Israel had a creed of the Jewish belief system, And it was controlled or brought through the family. In Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 5, we read, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house." When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Moms, you have more influence than you can possibly imagine. You look out and you see results, and the results aren't what you've dreamed about. But I want to tell you, your influence has penetrated even the most evil, tragic things that have gone on in your life. Every generation has to be one to the Lord. God planned that, and God planned to use the home, the family, especially you moms, To penetrate the evil of the enemy and to bring every generation to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, let me just ask this How many of you came to church, the beginning time of coming to church or even being born again, because of your mother or a woman influenced you? Go ahead and raise your hand. Look at all the hands there. See, the proof is there. Most come to Jesus Christ because of women, because of moms. Your greatest harvest field, moms, is right under your nose. It's not out on the mission field. It's not somewhere in some type of ministry. It is right under your nose in your family. See, in Spain... They understood this proverb, and out of Spanish, this is what it says in English. An ounce of motherhood is worth a ton of priests. I'll say that again. An ounce of motherhood is worth a ton of priests. In verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This was written over 4,000 years ago. But Purdue University, out of Indiana, I was a youth pastor and ran youth camps in Indiana, Wisconsin, and all those states, the Great Lakes states. Purdue University did a study, and this is what it said. Listen very closely to what they said, their conclusion unless the content of our beliefs is articulated verbally, children may not have an accurate perception of what the parents believe, unless it's articulated. The second study says modeling values is important, but parents also need to actually talk about their belief. Now this came from scientists and professors. Now, I appreciate scientists and professors and the work they do in our world, but they could have saved $365,000 by going to Deuteronomy chapter six. Here's the first point. Life is caught, not just taught. Life is caught, not just caught. Or you can say life is taught, not caught. Your children need to see you worshiping. They need to see you praying. Your children need to hear and see your values. I wanted to really say that to you is that Many instances, it's not all what you say, it's what you do. See, when my kids were young, I didn't talk about eschatology. I didn't talk about the millennial reign. I talked about why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we pray? Why do we read the word? Why do we talk about the word? Why do we go to church? The answer why is when they grow up, it won't depart from them. But statistics show that 75% of 20 year olds up to 28 year olds will leave church for a season. Why is that? I think we just found out. I wanted my children and my grandchildren today to wonder when they grow up, why some would not serve the Lord. I wanted them to understand that not serving the Lord is is different or weird. Not going to church is weird. See, your home is a catapult to come to church and to serve in church. In your home, you live in godliness and there is no difference in how you live at home than how you live at the church. Oops. Look at Second uh, Timothy chapter one. You'll see it on the screen. Paul wrote this: When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul took time out in his writings of doctrine, eschatology, and all the things that he wrote about to remind Timothy about the women in his life who lived and taught the Word of God. Church family, I am looking out at some of the greatest women in the world. I am looking out at women who love Jesus with all their heart. Online, I want you to understand, you come here, you're going to see the greatest, most beautiful women you'll ever recognize. And I'm not just talking about beauty of the skin. Paul says, I see your grandmother in you and your mom. And he says, Timothy, I want you to recognize that's a good thing. Young people, why is your mom always going after you about going to church, going after you about praying, going after you about the things, and ask God what you should do. It's because there's a calling in your mom's life. And all you young ladies, that calling is in you too. Understand, also young people, no one believes in you more than your mother. No one believes in you more than spiritual moms. Notice I said spiritual moms. Because there is a place of the family of God, a place of your homes to have spiritual moms too. You see on TV, a child gets convicted of a terrible crime, and then you watch how the mother is crying and says, that's my little boy, there is no way he's guilty. And you look at the TV and you say, (laughs) How could she even say that? There's proof. Well, maybe there is proof. Maybe he did do it. But because there's an innate thing in a woman to believe in their children, that's you. Ladies, that's why at times you, you just grovel with the, the things of life. You grovel with the things that you watch your children and, and you hurt more. And, and sometimes the men, we just say, hey, straighten up, boy and you're in the back bedroom crying and asking God to change your children. God has given mothers a gift to believe in their children when no one else does. Remember Thomas Edison? Okay, light bulb. He invented the light bulb. Did you know at seven years old, history shows us, he came home with a note written to his mother from his teacher, and this is what it said. Your child is dumb. We cannot do anything for him. By the way, today, I smell a lawsuit. (laughs) Mrs. Edison wrote back to the teacher, my lawyer will contact you. No, that's not what she wrote. You don't understand my boy. The reason you can't teach him is because you don't understand him. I'll teach him myself. So Thomas Edison was a product of homeschool. Those that do homeschool, God bless you. Teachers that do school, God bless you. Bless you, there's an anointing on you to proclaim even teaching math the blessing and the favor of the Lord all those, over those children that you can become that spiritual mom. Teachers again, God bless you. Thomas Edison at 10 years old invented things. At 12 years old, he had a patent. In his life, he produced 1,200 patents, not only the light bulb, he also upgraded the telegraph system. Thomas's mother saw something in his child, in her child, when no one else did. Again, dad, your time is in six weeks. Moms, sometimes you have to tell us dads what you see in your kids. Yeah, you do. We'll talk about that in six weeks. See, moms are perceptive, intuitive, and they always see the best in their children. Here's the second thing. Moms, you need to know this. Mothers, it's okay to ask for help. I'm not talking about it takes a village. No, it takes moms and dads. One of the loneliest jobs in the world is a stay-at-home mom. Can some of you relate with that? Most of you have no idea how to get help. See, my parents and in-laws lived far away from Terry and I. But we had a little bit of smarts to ask for help. And, we, and God brought people into our lives there was an elderly couple that would come and give us $20 and say, we're gonna take care of your kids tonight, go out to dinner. And they did that once a week for two and a half years. Joe and Helen Simpson. Titus chapter two, verse three through five. God knows what I just said because he's the one that said it first. And it's a command of the Lord. It says, the older women likewise That they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, gossip, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they would admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Is it possible we have brought shame to the word of God because we... Older have never discipled our younger women in life's truths. I know it's difficult in today's day because um, the the mentality of today's day is that people are old and boring and they don't have anything to say to you. And there's lack of esteem or lack of uh, honor to the older, lack of honor to the authority. And that is taught all the time. But thank God, I I know a lot of young people in this house that you're amazing. And young people, you keep doing what God's called you to do because you are anointed in an amazing way to do special things for the kingdom. Now, let me just share with you. You can write this down. And I will try to go slow, but I'm on a time frame here. But there are eight battles that moms face, eight battles that women face. The first one is low self esteem, thinking you're not important, you're just that person that is changing diapers and cleaning house. The second battle you face is loneliness and monotony. Loneliness and monotony. Men, husbands, fathers, you need to listen to this. The third battle you have is stress from too many demands. Stress from too many demands. The fourth is a lack of time with your husbands or their husbands. The fifth one, confusion about discipline, not knowing how to discipline the second child different, who is different from the fourth child. Because what you do with the second child doesn't work with your fourth child. What do you do? There are women that have gone through that. Here's the next one. A need for outside role models. That's what what it was saying there in Titus, is ladies, senior ladies, you must understand you are there to be a role model. Someone needs to help our younger women who are very smart today, very intelligent. They need to know how to handle those little intricate things because being a mom sometimes, (laughs) will drive you crazy. And the last one is training of children. Potty training, manners, all the different things. Now remember, in Titus, it was a command, not a suggestion. So I'm speaking to my age, it's not a suggestion, it's a command that you are ready and able to assist and help to be a Joe and Helen Simpson to some of these young moms in our church, young moms in your neighborhood, young moms at your job. So moms, if you're here today and your children are older or out of the house, please give away what you know. But let me just put a little caveat in there. Don't demand it, but offer it. Older mothers offer help. Young mothers, this is difficult, ask for help. Ask for help. See, the ill side of broken homes in the last 30 years have created moms who are born again but do not know how to raise healthy children. It's not their fault. Not because they can't, We, the church, which is family, or we can say the home, do not reach out to them. Again, that's what May 16th is about, the restoration of the family in the body of Christ. And I want to tell you, with all the churches I'm involved with, with all the the pastors that, that I'm helping to disciple, I want you to understand, God's speaking to all of them about the same thing because it's part of the restoration coming out of the evil attack of the enemy of COVID. And that's straight from heaven. See, many moms and dads do not have a blueprint to check and how to be a mom or a father also there's nowhere in scripture that says older that you're allowed to retire from ministry what do i mean that by that older love the younger they're different than you and me they have different desires than you and me But they have the same anointing, and it's the same truth of the Word of God that will transform them to be the best that God's called them to be. See, you're allowed to take rest. See, when I was 25, 26, 27, I didn't have any money. We'd go to Burger King, and we'd buy a Whopper combo and split the Whopper in half because we couldn't afford anything else. How many of you can relate to that? You're allowed to take breaks. I enjoy when I hear some of you taking trips and, and all kinds of things and buying new cars and all that. I just rejoice with the blessing of God because you walked in obedience to the Lord and he's prospered you. But you know as well as I do, it's taken time for that to happen. And it takes time for people to learn how to be a spiritual mom and a spiritual dad. You're allowed to take sabbaticals. Matter of fact, in August, my wife and I will be married 40 years, and we are taking two and a half weeks off. (gasps) That's the most I've ever done in my life. Probably after a week, I'm going to start calling Jeremy. What's going on? (laughs) But I'll have to sneak off somewhere. No, No, just kidding. See, you're not allowed to retire from what God demanded you to be. If you're 100 years old, you're not allowed to retire because there's wisdom in you you can share with the young people. See, what I've learned raising kids, and I'm going to say this quickly, you can go online and watch this again or, you know, uh, purchase a CD, whatever, however you do that. What I've learned raising kids is the tail cannot wag the dog. If they do not obey you, they won't obey God. It's kingdom principle. If your children don't obey you, they will have difficulty obeying God. A six-year-old cannot be in charge. Next thing. Teach your children to pray as soon as they can speak. I remember we'd ask, you know, Jill to pray, and, and she'd pray. We'd ask Pastor Ryan to pray, and he'd go this first. He'd go. And then he'd pray. But at that time, he could, his language, you know, he was young. And he would babble half of it. I don't care. I mean, my God understands tongues, so I guess he could understand a two-year-old. Don't do it for them. Even if it sounds awful. Here's the next thing I've learned. Teach your children how to ask for things politely. Anger and throwing a fit, my children didn't get it. Even if I promised it to them and they started throwing a fit, they don't get it. Until you're going to find out later what I'm going to say. See, you can't throw a fit in front of God and get it. And we're teaching our children as they grow up how to pray, how to relate with God. You don't demand anything from the Lord. It's about the attitude. And that's the charge that we have. Here's the next thing. Freely confess faults deserve less punishment. When you do this, you teach your children about grace. Okay, I got to say that again. Freely confess faults deserve less punishment because when that happens and they truly confess what they've done, less punishment comes because we're teaching them about the grace of God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, confessing sin is a prerequisite to receiving the grace or forgiveness and a new start. The Bible talks about new seasons all the time. That's a new start with your children. See, God is always willing to forgive you. And parents, if you're so out of sort and so frustrated, it's hard to forgive. God is a God of grace and our home should exemplify that grace. But still, listen closely, there's still consequences. Because when we disobey as adults with God, we either learn by wisdom or by consequence. That's what Scripture tells us. Here's the next thing. Lavishly reward good behavior. Pour the blessing of the Lord over them when they do good things. And it's not just things It's kind words, it's being proud. It's making a phone call to someone saying, look what my child did while they're listening. He's so awesome, she's so awesome. You are lavishly pouring out good behavior because you are God's daily delight. And every day from the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus is proclaiming his love and how proud he is of you. That's what our God does. And that's what you as parents should do. When we, you, you do good things, dad comes home from work. Dad, you should be a giver of good things. You should look at your child and say, I don't care if they're adults. I don't care if they're 25 years old. You go up to them and you just tell them, I am so proud of you. I can't, man, this is amazing what you did. Oh, dad, dad, Who cares? You do what you're supposed to do because I promise you, even though they might go, oh, dad, it's going to pierce their heart. And one day, that piercing of the heart as a parent will open them to the love of God. The next thing I learned, parents, keep your promises because God does good things and he does it he does keep his promises. And also, speaking of discipline, keep your promise of discipline. Some people say, I never would say that. I would just take him to a place and discipline him right then and there, okay? But there were times when they did something and they said, Dad, I, I, they'd come to me, Dad, I, I'm sorry. And I'd say, oh, okay. Now you know that was wrong. Yeah, Dad, I'm sorry. And... Uh, and so I would say, okay, well, that's all right. Well, right now, just go ahead and set that down. You don't have that for a while, but that's okay, son. Come on with me. And I'd go somewhere and just, you know, either we'd, we lived on Tyler Avenue in El Monte. We used to run over to the grocery store, and I'd buy them a little, little something. It's because they learned how to confess their wrong. Okay, but now I'm going to get some of you moms mad at me. Timeout doesn't work on most kids. Timeout, they will learn. Some will learn. I don't like this timeout. But some will learn to go, and then learn to play in their corner. Love your pastor? Oh, I guess so. God tells me to. Here's the third. Moms, and I, you know, what I've talked about is very important, but this is something I find the struggle in most moms. Moms, make sure your tank is full. I'm not talking about your car. I'm talking about you. This is a scripture you should memorize, moms. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. The reason why we yell at our kids, because your tank is not full. Because you have the ability to handle and lead your children. It's an anointing. It's a power from God. It's a grace from God. But if you do not keep your tank full, then you will yell at your kids. The reason why you shout with your husband is your tank is not full. Let's look at uh, Proverbs four twenty four. Put away from your, you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips from far, you, from far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And some of the evil and some of the struggles in our life is because we just go 24-7. Because I'm a mom. I'm supposed to do it. The baby wakes up five times, seven times in the night. I got to do it. I can't get rest. God, just give me strength. God says, no, find help. Find help. Get rest. Make sure your cup is full. Recharge, number one priority of recharging is being in the presence of God. Well, I only have five minutes a day. Did you know scripture said, one day in the house of the Lord is as a thousand days elsewhere. Very rarely do lukewarm parents produce passionate children for the Lord. Our homes are vital, family is vital. Family is absolutely important. Ephesians three verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Moms, some of you are dreaming machines what do i mean by that what i mean is that there is such vision in you for your children and you feel like you have no help you feel like you have no one around that's an agreement your husband you're a stay-at-home mom some of you some of you work and your moms you're a stay-at-home mom and your your husband comes home after 10 hours 12 hours of hard labor and he sits down and you say, wait a minute, it's your time because you haven't prepared yourself to get help, to fill your tank. See, what I loved about my wife for years is I always priority, I I was a youth pastor and all kinds of things, ministry, traveled, all the different stuff. One thing that I did is I made sure that I came home for dinner, even if it was for 15 minutes. But in that 15 minutes, 90% of the time, my wife would make sure that the area where I would be in was in order, not because I asked for it, because she knew how to prepare a place for the family to worship God and to receive the benefit of being family. And she would have this meal, and the kids would be ready. And, you know, 90% of the time, not all the time, none of us are perfect. None of us will follow this 100%. But if you understand that you create that atmosphere, your dreams, ladies, will come true. That's why I'm so proud, because Terry and I have been at this church for decades, and some of you ladies here, you senior ladies, we've learned from you. We respect you highly. Some of us, uh, Terry and I have been around uh, like J- Jerry and Randy Hayashi and, and just kind of grew up with them. They had their kids, we had our kids. Kids grew up together and stuff. You see, Melissa Roofter used to be Hayashi. And, uh, and so Tim and, and just all, all the kids grew up together and we watched the way that Jerry could handle the home and the way she, she would cook and prioritize and release her husband because uh, Randy worked uh, 25 hours a day usually. <laughs> and I, I could go on and on with so many of you and even today watching some of you young moms how wow what you do. What you do? I watch my daughter-in-law. Whew. I had two; she has six. And what she does, and those children, I, I take them out to dinner, all six of them, me. Okay. Some of you think, "Oh my Lord, did they come home safely?" <laughs> I would take them out to dinner, and I tell everybody in the whole restaurant, "I can't believe they're kids." I want to say, yeah, my wife and I, no, they're my grandchildren. They're a product of my son and my daughter. And I watch my daughter's uh, children and I watch Peter and how they relate to them and do the same thing, the things that we, but see, part of that is because we did that when they were young. And some of you are struggling. Some of your marriages, you you don't even know who your spouse is. Because you're a mom, because you're a dad. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. My wife has been with her mom for quite a bit. And the longest she's ever been away from me. And I tell you what, yeah, I learned at eight, seven, I used to cook full meals for my family. You know, because my mom said, my boys will never have to have someone else wait on them. They can take care of themselves. I didn't marry my wife to cook for me or clean or whatever. But the reality is, is my wife is very, something very special. And I miss her desperately by her not being here. She comes home tomorrow. And we'll be with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Moms, I highly respect and honor you today. Young people understand this. They get it. Your moms get it. They're not perfect. They get it. They've been there, done that. Be filled, moms, with Jesus and radiate. And let me close. Matter of fact, let's all stand. I'm going to close by reading out of the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 11. This is my proclamation over you. But it comes through walking in wisdom. It comes through walking in wisdom. This is so important what I taught you today. It is kingdom reality. It's not Gary. It's not pastor. It is the wisdom of the kingdom of God. Verse 11 of Colossians 1. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. For all patience patience and long suffering with joy. I want you to realize today we have a gift for all the moms, all the ladies. Ushers make sure all the ladies get this because there's an anointing on all our women. There are a few in our church that have been graced with a calling that was hard. The calling you were graced with, ladies, is not having children. And it was pain. It was hurt at times. At times, some of you felt embarrassment. That's not in God's heart. You are proclaimed as a spiritual mom. You have had children around you through the years and you have graced them by being that spiritual mom I'm proud of you you have gone through that challenge of one of the toughest calls on earth but I'm proud of you that you've gone through it and today you have many children in the kingdom of the church We have spiritual dads and spiritual moms. Family. May 16th, Sunday night, we'll gather at six o'clock all over this campus and we will minister to family. We will restore the lie of the enemy that has separated us for decades in our country and even in our churches. And prophetically, I proclaim to you God is moving. And today as we celebrate mothers, we celebrate the greatest part of who our God is. He is a God that loves you more than you will ever know. And He believes in you more than you ever know. That's what our ladies, our mothers represent. God